because I love romance novels and I want to share it with you today. Today, I will be reading Love at Second Sight by Ada Leverson. Ada Esther Leverson was a British was a British writer who is known for her friendship with Oscar Wilde and for her books. This book was published in 1916 and is about how Edith is in love with another man but is debating if she should leave her husband or not. Before we begin, I would like to give a quick shout out to this week's sponsor, Apple Books. Apple Books is a great platform for reading. Most books are free and it has a daily reading time too. Love at Second Sight can be found on that platform, as well as Romeo and Juliet, The Boy Who Honors the Wind, and many more. So go and store Apple Books now. Okay, back to our story. I'm going to start reading from Chapter 4 as that is when the real love story starts. So let's begin. It was utterly impossible, literally out of question, that Madame Frebel could know anything about the one trouble, the one danger, that so narrowly escaped, being almost a tragedy in Edith's life. It was three years since Bruce, always inclined to vague mild, flirtations, had been positively carried off his feet and literally taken away by a determined young art student with red hair who had failed to marry a friend of his, while Edith, with the children, was passing the summer holidays at Westgate. Bruce had sent her the strangest of letters, informing her that he and Mavis Argles could not live without one another and had gone to Australia together and implored her to divorce him. The complication was increased by the fact that at that particular moment, the most charming man Edith had ever met, Elmer Rose, that eloquent and brilliant barrister, had fallen in love with her and she had become considerably attracted to her. Her pride had been hurt at Bruce's conduct, but she had certainly felt it less bitterly. In one way, because she was herself so much fascinated by Elmer and his devotion, but Edith had behaved with cool courage and real unselfish- unselfishness. She felt certain that Bruce's mania would not last and that if it did, he would be miserable. Strangely, then, she had declined to divorce him and waited. Her prophecy turned out correct, and by the time they arrived at their journey's end, the red-haired lady was engaged to a commercial traveller whom she met on the boat. By then, Bruce and she were equally convinced that in going to Australia, they had decidedly gone too far. So Bruce came back and Edith forgave him. She made one condition only, which was also her one revenge, that he should never speak of it, never mention the subject again. Elimere Ross, who had taken his romance seriously to heart, refused to be kept as Mami de la Mason and as a platonic admirer. Deeply disappointed, for he was prepared to give his life to Edith and her children, he was a widower of independent means. He had left England. She had never seen him since. All this had been a real event, a real break in Edith's life. For the first few moments after she suffered, 
missing the excitement, LMS controlled passion and its congenial society. Gradually, she made herself not forget it, but put it aside, ignore the whole incident. It gave her genuine satisfaction to know that she had made a sacrifice for Abusa's sake. She was aware that he could not exist really satisfactory, satisfactorily without her, though perhaps he didn't know it. He needed her. At first, she had endeavoured to remain separated from him, while apparently living together. From who knows what feeling of romantic fidelity to Elmer or Piquet at the slight shown her by her husband. Then she found that impossible. It would make him more liable to other complications and the whole situation too full of general difficulties. So now, for the last three years, they had been on much the same terms as they were before. Bruce had become perhaps less patronizing, more respectful to her, and she a shade more gentle and considerate to him as to a child. For she was generous and did not forgive by halves. There were moments of nervous irritation, of course, and of sentimental regret. On the whole, though, Edith was glad she had acted as she did. But if occasionally she felt her life a little dull and flat, if she missed some of the excitement of that eventful year, it was impossible for anyone to see it by her manner. What could Madame Fraybell possibly know about it? What did that lady really suppose was the matter? What do you think I'm unhappy about? Edith repeated. Madame Fraybell, as has been mentioned, was willing to tell her. She told her, as usual, with fluency and, in and inaccuracy. Edith was much amused to find how strangely mistaken was this authoritative lady as to her intuitions, how inevitably are fall with her penetrations and her instinctive guesses. Madame Freewell said that she believed Edith was beginning to feel the dawn of love for someone and was struggling against it. The struggle, of course, in reality had been long over. Who was the person? I haven't met him yet, Madame Freewell said, but isn't there a name I hear very often? Your husband is always talking about him. He told me I was to make the acquaintance of this great friend of his. Something tells me it is he. I shall know as soon as I see him. You can't hide it from me. Who is the person Bruce was always mentioning to Madame Freebell? Certainly not Alimer Ross. He had apparently forgotten his existence. Are you referring to? Madame Freebell looked out of the window and nodded. And now it's time for our content. <laughs> listening to my podcast gets a chance to read one of your favorite stories on the podcast. Now, back to our story. <laughs> Madame Fraywell looked out of the window and nodded. Yes, it's Mr. Mitchell. Edith started and a smile curved her lips. It's always the husband's great friend, unfortunately, sighed Eglantin. Oh, my dear, with the usual cheap, ready-made knowingness of the cynic. I've seen so much of that. Now I'm going to help you. I'm determined to leave you two, dear, charming people without a cloud when I go. You're not thinking of going? 
Not yet, no. Not while you let me stay here, dear. I've, I've friends in London and in the country, but I haven't looked them up or written to them or done anything since I've been here. I've been too happy. I couldn't be bothered. I'm so interested in you. Another thing, may I say, for I feel as if I'd known you for years. You think your husband doesn't know it. You are wrong. Am I really? Quite. Last night, a certain look when he spoke of the Mitchells showed me that Bruce is terribly jealous. He doesn't show it, but he is. But Mrs. Mitchell, suggested Edith, is one of our best friends, a dear thing. By the way, you're asking them to dine with us on Tuesday. I'm delighted to hear it. I shall understand everything then. Isn't it curious, without even seeing them, that I know all about it? I think I've a touch of second sight. But Aglatin, aren't you going a little far? Hadn't you better wait until you've seen them, at least? You've no idea how well the Mitchells get on. I've no doubt about it, she replied. And, of course, I don't know that he, Mr. Mitchell, I mean, even realizes what you are to him. But I do. Edith was really impressed at the dash which with, with which Madame Fabel so broadly handled this vague theme. Wait till you do see them, she said, rather mischievously declining to deny her friend's suggestion altogether. Odd I should have guessed it, isn't it? Madame Fabel was evidently pleased. You admit this, Edith. From what your husband says, I gather you see each other continually, don't you? Very often. Bruce and he are together at the foreign office. Bruce thinks much of him and admires him. If it all, I notice now and then a tinge of bitterness in the way he speaks. He's describing their fancy dress ball to me the other day. And really, his description of Mr. Mitchell's costume would have been almost spiteful in, other, in any other man. Well, but Mr. Mitchell is over 60, and he was got up as a black poodle. Yes, quite so. But he's a fine-looking man, isn't he? And very pleasant and, hospi and hospitable. Oh yes, of course. On your birthday last week, that magnificent basket of flowers came from Mr. Mitchell, stated Eglantine. Certainly, from the Mitchell's rather. But really, that's nothing. I think you'll be a little disappointed if you think he's at all the romantic type. I didn't think that, she answered. Though of course she had, but something told me, I don't know why, that there's some strange attraction. I never saw a more perfect wife than you, nor a more perfect mother. But these things should be nipped in the bud, dear. They get hold of you sometimes, before you know where you are. And think, she went on with relish, how terrible it would be. Practically to break up two homes. Oh, really, I must stop you there, cried Edith. You don't think of elopements, do you? I don't say that necessarily, but I've seen a great deal of life. I've lived everywhere, and just the very household. Many gays, as we say, abroad, that seem most calm and peaceful. Sometimes it would be, anyhow, very dreadful, wouldn't it, to live a double life? Edith thought her friend rather enjoyed the idea, but she said, You don't imagine, I hope, that there's anything in the nature of an intrigue going on between me and Mr. Mitchell. No, 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 not now, not yet, but you don't quite know, Edith, how one can be carried away. As I was sitting up in my room, thinking, 
you think too much, interrupted Edith. Perhaps so, but it came to me like this. I mean, to be the one to put things right again, if I can. My dear child, a woman of the world, like myself, sees things. You two ought to be ideally happy. You're meant for one another. I mean, you and Bruce. Do you think so? And that is it for this week's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and tune in next week for another book. I want to thank our sponsor Apple Books and one more time. And of course, you guys. If you want to finish reading Love at Second Sight, you can find it on Apple Books. Thank you for listening to my podcast.